0: jesus i love you i thank you for saving me from the ordinary (laughs) i just i am so honored to stand here today and i pray that each and every person here would hear your voice speaking to their heart and that you would challenge them all with the question you challenged me do you have the courage to be you amen i pray they say yes yes okay good morning oh see I can feel it I was about to fall out over there and then I stand up here it's a cool thing about when you're doing what God has called you to do you don't do it of your own strength when I got up this morning I did not feel like driving from my house to here did y'all notice that I didn't feel like it man our feelings are not indicators of truth we got a spirit inside of us It's put inside of us that's the eternal essence of us. That in Romans 8, God says he testifies to our spirit from his spirit that we're his kids. That means if he does the impossible, we do the impossible. Jesus said, you are going to do more than me. Anybody heal the sick today, cast out any demons, or raise the dead? well that's what we're gonna do because see that's what he said we're gonna do I don't have to feel like it in my body I don't have to listen to those voices in my head because there's something inside of me that's stronger you could stay camped out on this verse in Jeremiah 1 4 it says the Lord came to me and said before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I set you apart You could stay camped out on that verse for about a year. And if you get it all figured out, would you send me an email? Because the first time I read it, I was like, before you were born, before you were in the womb. we We all go to Psalm 139 about when he forms us in the womb. But he's telling Jeremiah, before all that happened, before there was a moose or a mountaintop, before there was a walrus or a whale, before there was waterfalls, and giraffes and times and light and night and day he says i knew you see i was fascinated by that that eternal essence there's something eternal about us that's inside us that god says his spirit testifies to our spirit so when i roll over and say oh my gosh i don't have a cold and i don't feel good then god testifies to my spirit and tells me something different a lot of us get hung up with the soul part of who we are or what we want what we like what we don't and we answer to that, and we come in agreement with that. But the trick is if we're ever gonna be and do all God's created us to do, we have to listen to our spirit. The, the, you guys, the way I describe it is when you're when you're moved during worship, during music. See worship takes us beyond our logic okay it starts getting in our spirit i can feel so bad when i walk in here but then when i start worshiping it's, it's it's going to a different place now when i quit worshiping my throat still hurt and i didn't know if i could talk but i know that this is what god's put me on this planet to do so i'm trusting when i step up on this stage that he's going to show up and you're not going to see and hear my crackly voice you're going to hear a powerful message from the word of god right so i tell you that because that's the realm we've got to start operating in okay I think about the people in the Bible too, Pastor, and what would they put on my tombstone, or if they were right, what would they say about me? I love when you read Noah's story, we we get hung up on the boat and the storm and the animals, but there's this one verse that says, Noah was a man who obeyed God. And see, that's what I want people to say about me. It doesn't matter if she looked crazy, it doesn't matter if she looked stupid. If God said jump, she said how high? I was raised. By a daddy who you just said, yes, sir. It didn't matter what he said. If he said, we're painting the house today, you said, yes, sir. If he said, jump off the roof, you said, yes, sir. And you just didn't even have to think. And so that's just kind of the way I I believe I had a daddy that loved me so much. He was not abusive. He did not punish. But if he said, do it, you do it. So Noah was like that. I want to be like that. I want to have such trust in God for my well-being. And he loves me so madly that anything he asked me to do, i am willing to do noah obey god the other the other person i love what it says about him abraham believed god that's the other thing i want on my tombstone is jenny believed god i was raised in jackson mississippi and um a home with parents who loved me madly i said if i just took a breath they cheered oh look at her and she cute she breathed today if i said i wanted to play tiddlywinks my daddy was the coach of the tiddlywink team and my mother was the, the homeroom mom of the tiddlywink team and all my brothers and sisters had to watch me play tiddlywinks i don't know what tiddlywinks were but you get my chance okay <laughs> it's just easy to believe in a good god when every day of your life somebody loves you madly that's just not a big stretch right it's just it's easy i had no idea what grace meant I'd be like, you know, my brother. I hit my brother and I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness. I mean, it's just I didn't suffer any trauma or any tragedy in my life short of those kinds of things. My, my daddy, even as a girl, told me I could do anything I wanted to do. So it's, it's always been very easy for me to have faith in God. I've never doubted or questioned believing in, in him. But I, for most of my life, I didn't believe what his word said for me for my circumstances i believe in him and this became very apparent to me when i left jackson mississippi i was 32 years of age and let me if you're anybody from the south oh a few of you're grinning because you're like oh man she is speaking the language right it's a unique place isn't that right they call it the Bible Belt for a reason I mean I lived in the buckle not on the belt I mean I lived in the buckle what that meant to me I never met a human being that did not go to church every single Sunday of their lives unless they were dying. Half dying, then you had funeral right so we all came to church no matter what okay there's just one no reason that you missed, really okay I never ever met anybody that did not say Jesus was their Savior okay i wouldn't allow if there were such people in our town and we sure they were i wasn't allowed to go to their house spend the night or associate with them we called them heathens in the south and then when you're talking bad about people in the south ladies am i right gentlemen we say bless their heart (laughs) just bless their heart you're gossiping about him he was drunk saturday night but bless his heart his wife brought him to church on sunday it's a very unique way to live it's a fabulous way to live um Bless your heart. (laughs) It's almost surreal. You speak the same language. Everything that you say, someone's agreeing with you. We know the language. We dress alike. We look alike. We talk alike. We raise our kids alike. Somewhere along that message, nobody read me the Jeremiah verse about before time was born. I was set apart from something. The message that I got during church most of the time was be good and be safe be good and be safe don't do that don't try that no risk be good be safe it was a subliminal message that i got my whole life and then when i was 32 years of age i moved to the san francisco bay area they did not speak my language they did not profess jesus as their savior and they did not go to church on sunday I was in shock. I was in the middle of the heathens in the Bay Area. And guess what? They were nice. (laughs) They became my best friends. I went to their house. My kids went to their house. Shocking heresy, right? The only difference in their life and my life is I drug my children to church on Sunday,
1: no matter if they wanted to
0: go or not after a while they would ask me questions like creation like really seven days poof i'm like yeah they're like noah the ark animals y'all know the song two by two the arky arky song right the animals like i'm like yeah and they'd be like you're so cute they call my faith cute right as a southern accent i guess you guys, after a while, it's realization hit me. Me and my non-Christian Bay Area friends, we were all working for the same thing. We wanted to pay our light bills. We wanted to send our kids to college. We wanted to be comfortable. We worked so hard to live in the right zip code in the right house. And give our kids a better life than we have there was no message nobody was saying to me uh do you have the courage to be you or do you want to walk on water or or you know why isn't there a line of people at your door asking you how you do your life why isn't there a line of people coming to me when my husband is losing his business and going, oh my gosh, you do it different from us because you're so filled with peace and you're not worried and, you're, and you're, you're not staying up all night or drinking too much or eating too much. You're just like, calm. Like there was no line at my door. I looked like everybody else. I was freaking out over everything. The same things that my friends were freaking out. They didn't believe in God. After a while, it hit me. My belief in God was not changing my life my belief in god except that i went to church on sunday i didn't look any different than they did i realized we had bought into a dream it's called the american dream and we're trying to baptize it where it says that you have to have a certain job it says you have to have a, a savings account with so much in it it says you, you have to send your kids to college when i talked to high school kids i asked was anybody raised like me I was raised going to church and my dad was Methodist and my mom was Southern Baptist. So that sprinkling and dunking thing, I'm cool because I got both. So I know I'm going to heaven and sprinkled and dunked. So it's good, both of them, <laughs> right? I tell my kids, I don't care which one it is. I just need you to get one of them. So if you're if you die young and I'm at your casket, I know you're in heaven with Jesus, right? As parents, we want to, Christian parents want to get our kids saved. Check the box, okay? Then I tell the kids, the next thing we want for you is we want you to get through high school without being a drug addict or pregnant if you're a girl. It is one of our greatest desires for you as a parent. We were we are good parents if we can get you to the other side without one of those two things happening, okay? As Christians now, just as Christians, right? And so then if we get you over those humps we're feeling good about ourselves we would love for you to go to a christian college but honestly we just want you to go to any college i mean the christian one is better but even beneath that we really just want you to get a job we just don't want you to be dependent upon us for the rest of your life and so as christian parents our goal for you is to be gainfully employed amen where is that in here where is it we're judged by it we judge each other by it whether we're good parents or, or good christians it's not in here jesus said i didn't create you to play it safe where did you get that idea i created you to be dangerous i got a verse for you guys this is one of my most fun ones I see i'm getting my voice back down this is fun acts 4 13. But when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary. Anybody in here unschooled? Anybody do not have a college degree? Me either! Join the pie! We're in the same club! Now, the rest of you people who have degrees, just think what the Lord can do with the smart people, right? i know unschooled and ordinary i tell people all the time when you see somebody on stage you start this fictitious bio thinking who i am so that you can dumb yourself down so you have an excuse not to do what god's called me to do wrong wrong anybody married in the room oh that's so good anybody married to the first spouse that you started out with okay about half the crowd went down me too the divorce team high five look he still lets me up here shocking right unbelievable anybody had an affair oh, nobody would raise their hand <laughs> Y'all were like, "Oh, I did see God's grace and his mercy are real there is no reason that you can fathom in your mind sitting there today of why you cannot do what God has called you today let me keep reading you may be unschooled. You may be ordinary. You may be divorced, had an affair. You may have shame. It does not matter because when the people saw the courage of God's people, they were astonished. And when they when they looked at them, their takeaway was ah, they've been with Jesus. Don't we want people to say that about us? I don't want to list my bio for y'all. I don't want to list my sins. I don't want to list my successes. But I would love for you to go, wow. When you leave here, she must spend some time with Jesus because, wow. <laughs> Not she's a wow, but wow. And then, and then I want you all to want the same thing. That's it. But you guys, it comes from being with Jesus. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. Most of us wonder, why are we here? Why are we on this planet those of you in your 20s, you hadn't got there yet because you think you know, but you don't, but you'll figure that out later. It's okay. It happens to all of us, right? But somewhere around your 30s and 40s and 50s, you start going, why am I here? Am I just taking up space, right? Why am I breathing? Does anybody really even care? Does it matter? I started asking those same questions around my 40th birthday, and I asked them to God because i believed in my whole life, but when I got there in the Bay Area and I started noticing that everybody's life looked like mine, and I believed in God and they didn't, that messed me up. I had to go buy a Bible because I didn't own one. Because when you grow up in the South, you're at church seven days a week. And if your mother's like mine, who speaks King James, there doesn't matter what question you ask my mother, she will answer in a Bible verse in King James. I, I dare you. Send me an email, we'll ask her. But I promise you, another woman after 74 years. You don't have to read it for yourself. When you grow up in the southern baptist church man they start telling you the stories on a flannel board if you're under 30 you won't know what that is that's okay google it right when you get home you learn the stories and every single year they start all over again and they tell you all the stories all over again i can tell you the ending of every one of them just like that i didn't need to read my bible or so i thought I knew the stories they didn't wow me they didn't fascinate me I didn't see the miracle they were just stories I believed them but I didn't apply them I didn't understand that and so in the Bay Area when I'm 30 something years old I go and buy this Bible I bought a big black honking one like my grandmother's got stuff falls out of it all the time if you don't watch it and I started reading the stories for myself and I was shocked it's scandalous what's in here they don't tell you in sunday school that noah got drunk and passed out they're too afraid if you know that you might go do it so they just leave it out right who knew i remember when i was telling my middle son the story about joseph and and i was doing the whole you know the woman tries to seduce him and how do you tell a Ten or eleven year old that story without using the word seduce, so I was trying my best, right? She was trying to make him do something he didn't want to do and he didn't do it, and so he went to jail. And my son goes, well, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. He did the right thing and still he went to jail? And I go, Yes. He goes, Bummer. <laughs> we get tripped up with that. Doing the right thing and it all not turn out right. Somehow we believe this American dream baptized story. If we do everything right, everything will work out right. It's not biblical. You guys, we're not we're not striving for comfort, safety, and security. That's the American dream. It's not biblical. We're supposed to be taking territory and kicking enemy butt. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And it's dangerous. Okay? That's why you need some armor. Most of y'all don't use your armor because you don't need it i can only say that because i was that way i was cloaked in comfort in mediocrity right until i picked this up and started reading for myself i was scandalous to me scandalous that David and Bathsheba's son was Solomon. I didn't know. I knew David Bathsheba. Okay, you do bad, your baby dies. I mean, I got that story, right? That's the bad, like, don't, don't do that. Okay, got it. But I never got the the part, the triangulation, where they have another child named Solomon, and God names him Jedidiah, which means the Lord loves this child. Like, he... This child that came out of out of a murderer, an adulterer, is blessed and builds the temple. I, I didn't even know when I read that. It was like grace washed all over me. That's why I can stand up here and tell you my stuff because it's, I I went for the same fountain of grace. Well, more like a fire hydrant of grace is what I needed than a fountain, right? And then and then I read that scandalous story. In the New Testament about the woman caught in adultery, they never taught you that story. I never heard that story till I read it for myself. And gentlemen, there was a man in this story. mm mm-hmm. He was part of the plot to trip up Jesus, I believe, because it said when both people in the Old Testament commit adultery, they both die, but they just happen to bring the woman in. Just, you guys imagine this with me right now. Everybody's sitting on a secret. There's things I've done. I really don't like to tell everybody. So I told y'all some things. You're like, she's got more. Oh, yes. So anyway, we just don't like that. But what if, what if, what if yesterday you were caught red-handed doing the thing that you're so ashamed of and the and the pastor and the elders caught you and they drug you here in the middle of the church now I believe this woman probably wasn't let to get her clothes on I probably, she she's probably wrapped up in a sheet they're probably trying to humiliate her as much as possible and they dumped you right here in the middle and they're screaming pastor caught red handed caught red-handed you're supposed to die I mean can you imagine that kind of shame you know she was looking at the ground because when you're filled with shame you do not look people in the eye do you you don't When our kids get in trouble they look at the ground they look at their shoes right that's why I feel like this woman I never heard this story before I just heard be good be safe be good be safe I never heard this kind of scandalous grace where Jesus lets the the leaders challenge him over her dignity. So that's the greatest thing he gave her. He gave her grace, but he also gave her dignity. Even though she was caught red-handed, you guys read the story. She didn't cry out for forgiveness. She was caught. <laughs> we always talk about you have to come to forgiveness. Jesus forgave her before she uttered a sound. She was caught red-handed. We are so hard on those who are caught red-handed. We're waiting for them to change. We're waiting for them to repent. Jesus doesn't. Man, I never heard this stuff before. And and he tells those who are perfect to throw the first sin. I always say the old people ran the quickest because their list was longer than everybody else's, right? Had more time to screw it up. You know, she's just, you know she's just there in a hump. I love what Jesus does too because in the midst of all this when they're just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Die, die, die. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? G- he knows Jesus is never in a rush. We get all flapped. Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We, gonna do? That, we, that's us, right? Just Jesus, what he do? He just sits down and starts to doodle in the sand. Yeah, I said doodle. That's like a funny word, right? People have written books wondering what Jesus wrote in the sand. I don't think he wrote anything, honestly. I think he was doodling. I think he was trying to take the attention off of her, where everybody's going, What's he writing? What's he writing? What do you think he's writing? I don't know. What do you think he's writing? And so they like, forget all about her. And then now they're paying attention to Jesus because that's what he wants, right? Pay attention to me. Not, not the sin. Pay attention to me. And all of us, don't we want to pay attention to Jesus? Not the list of things in right saying, Pay attention to me. Look at me. And they all scatter. They all scatter. And I believe he walks over to her. And I believe he has to lift her up. Because just like our little kids, don't we? We have to lift their chin up because they're looking at their, their feet, right? We lift their chin up and say, look at me. We want our kids to look at us in the eye, right? And we tell them, I love you. Tears coming down their face. I'm sorry, Diddy. I'm sorry, Mom. I believe that woman's that tears are pouring down her face. As Jesus looks at her and he goes, where are your accusers? See, our accusers are in our head. You suck. You did this. You did this. We wake up every morning with them, right? Right? I know I just said suck in church. I know. Sorry. It may get worse. I work with highly traumatized teenage girls and law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> we are accusers usually are right in our head, right? We got some on the outside, but most of them are our accusers. Jesus is saying, Look at me, look at me, look at me. Up here. Look up. Look up. Shame looks down. Jesus has to look up, and then what does he say? Stop it.
1: Stop. We tell our
0: kids, don't put your hand on the hot stove. Right? Do we bait them for putting their hand on the hot stove? No. Stop it, he says. Don't do it anymore. Stop settling for less. That I've created you for. You are the daughter of the king, the son of the king, a mighty warrior, a princess. Quit playing in the mud. Quit, come up here with me. Be who I created you. Be. Do you have the courage to be you? Because see, before time again,
1: I imagined you
0: before there was anything on this planet. See, I thought about you and i knew in this day in this time in this church in this neighborhood i was going to need a you and i was going to need a you and a you and a you and a you because see god has a kingdom calendar and he's got something going on all the time and he needs specific people specific times families david said who am i who is my family and who are these people he calls people he calls families he calls businesses he calls churches for something on his mind now just like your pastor said, there's so many ills in this world. The one he tapped me for is children being sold for sex. I have no experience. I have no college degree. I'm not a mental health professional, and I've never been abused. That is not very qualified to work with this population, right? You know, God told me they need a mom, and they need wholeness, and you're both. They didn't need another hurt and broken person dumping their hurt and brokenness on them. They needed to see what wholeness looked like, because that's what God has put inside of us all. And he says, I can make you all whole. And people tell me all the time, especially Christians, your girls will never be healed and your girls will never be whole because most people in the church aren't healed and whole. And so, if you're not, you don't think my girls can be. God says He can do it all. He can make all things new and He can make it as if it's never happened. Is it hard work? Yes. Is it one prayer? No. I have not seen one prayer that works. Am I still in debt? Yes. Am, do I own a home? No, I rent. Oh, God forbid. Um, right did god say we all own homes no i'm sorry for those of you who thought it was in there Um, my children are having to pay for their own college education and they have a bunch of student loans (gasps) is it in here we're taking on things that god's not asked us to take on and we're failing at them because we weren't supposed to take them on see the trick is god wants you to be the person he created you to be so then he can do through you that, that verse i read you guys when it said they noticed their courage when you pull out your strongs and you look at the greek it wasn't their courage the word is boldness it's very fascinating to me when you study the old testament the word courage is used over and over and over and over again i mean a lot take courage take courage take courage courage is barely used in the new testament why The holy spirit let me tell you what happens when you get filled up with the holy spirit and you start taking steps of faith you're not scared anymore you're bold in the old testament they had to do it scared all the time please understand every time god shows me something new to do i'm like you gotta be kidding but i get less and less scared because i'm becoming more and more bold when we get bold we get dangerous but you have to start off doing it scared you have to practice with god he doesn't make the first step you guys if you're laying in your couch with your remote control and you're praying big prayers for god but you're not getting off your butt i'm telling you not much is gonna happen okay you got to move he is looking for people who have faith I had to pick the phone up, I had to call, I had to email, I had to tell people. God told me I'm building a home for children rescued from sex trafficking. People thought I was crazy. Okay. He told me to make an offer on a 52-acre piece of property that cost a million dollars, and we had $5,000 in the bank. You don't do that. Unless God tells you to. And then you find a realtor crazy enough to write the offer. And three offers later you get the property you're gonna have to be willing to look a little crazy I believe in the New Testament at nine o'clock in the morning they thought the disciples were all drunk I'm gonna accuse the same thing we're gonna have to get a little crazy a little courageous you guys there are people praying prayers right now waiting on God and he is waiting on you meet my daughter elizabeth williamson you guys quitting is not an option i have come to believe that in the world of faith winning means not quitting i i I wish every day i could wake up and tell you that god zaps every situation i'm in and miraculously makes it work i'm just telling you some days it's just blood sweat and tears of hard work i've watched liz whose biological parents sold her when she was six years old. Yes, six years old, her biological parents. She was sold until she was 23 years old. I've prayed more prayers over this child, and she's prayed more for herself, and it is not poof. It is a journey. She wakes up every day choosing to believe, not feeling like it, choosing to believe that God says she's going to have total and complete healing. In the meantime, while she's waiting for that, she gets out of bed every day and does the thing that God puts in front of her. We've got to move. Courage, compassion, their words of action. We have got to move. When you hear Liz's story and she has a word for me from the Lord, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. If God can do it for her, he can do it for you.
1: The reason I am standing up here today is because I took God seriously that I am who he called me to be. That said, my mom told you a piece of my story, a bit of my story. It's not who I am. I don't really care. And I can say that with confidence that I do not care about my past. I care very much about my present, and I care very much about my future. There's a verse. It's in Isaiah. Don't quote me on that one, but you know. And it says that he's going to make my darkness like the noonday and that he is going to help me forget. I promise you that I do not think about my past every day. I do not have a reason to call that into this reality. That's my responsibility. My mama cannot police what goes through my mind. Only me. I could rehash everything that has ever been done to me because I have a right to, I suppose, because it's in my mind and it's in my heart. However, I will not be a victim. I will not. I refuse to. I hate when people introduce me as a victim. Because I'm not. I have a story. Yes, I do. But the story that I live out now is that I choose to get out of bed, I choose to believe that God is, and was, and always will be in control. I'm not I have a story yes I do but the story that I live out now is that I choose to get out of bed I choose to believe that God is and was and always will be in control but when I moved here I didn't talk and I didn't look people in the eye because I was deeply and utterly ashamed my mom had to grab my face one day i don't recommend grabbing people's face unless you really know them don't do it she grabbed my face and she forced me to look in her eyes and she gave me permission to speak that's four and a half years ago i don't know that i've shut up since so oops but i hid away with the lord and i made my healing my full-time job because my mother could not answer for me the hard questions I could not look at her and could not put it on her of saying, why did this happen to me? Because she could give me an I don't know. The only one who could answer my question was God. And I took him to task on that one. And what I can tell you now, standing up here, is that it was absolutely and utterly and completely worth it for me to be sold. And that is a big, weighty statement, and you're going to have to wrestle that one out one for a second. Do you know why it's worth it to me? because of who he has called me to be, because I get to look at baby girls that live home at Courage House and tell them I am so sorry for what has happened to them, and that I understand deeply, and yet I do not think about being sold every day. And yet, and yet, there's a verse that I discovered this morning that I don't think was in my Bible before this morning. And I can barely see it, so I'm going to have to blink a little bit and let the makeup just drip off my face. (laughs) And it says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because of what I have gone through, oh, I live out the gospel. I actually work at Starbucks right now. I'm not using the degree that I actually have. But I live out the gospel and people see that difference in me. It's not because I have to give it word. And people walk in and they are addicted to things that are not really things that we talk about in church. But they're addicted to pornography and they see me and they know me. And they can tell that there's something different about me. Do you know the Lord has had me come out behind the counter at Starbucks and embrace them? Big men, big men, much taller than me. But the Lord told me that my shadow is 14 feet high because I complain that I'm short. And he says that the enemy sees it. Because if he has given me this transformed life, then I will not keep my mouth shut, even to people that you would think that I would have no business or want to to be around. That's a lie. Because I was just as screwed up as they were. I was just as broken as they were, and I was more dead than they were. But I have a responsibility to be Jesus to them. I hugged that man with all I had in me and silently prayed that he would receive what's inside of me. And he said, excuse me, I need to go throw up. I said, okay, I'll talk to you when you come back. He knew, he knew, I knew, I wasn't going to beat him over the head with it because I could see who he could be in the future. These are people that are invisible to you and I unless you ask the Lord to open your eyes and open your heart. I was the invisible kid. My short, my story should have stopped before 23. It should have, but I say that in no judgment over the people that did not act. They are going to have to answer for that one day. But what I can tell you It's truly and honestly that this church needs to rise up and be what God has called it to be and do what God has called it to do. I will raise the dead one day. I have no doubt about that. But it starts with a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus that Jenny could not give me, that I have to invest and seek on my own because if I can get heaven to come into my bedroom, I can carry that out with me. I am the person that has stories every single week. Crazy stories, stupid stories, ridiculous stories. Because I dare to believe God. That I will preach the gospel without fear. And it starts with when people look at you and say there's something different about you. Yes, there is. And you know, it's actually not the story that I have from 6 to 23. It's not. Sometimes I tell them that. Most of the time, I don't, because you know what? I don't introduce myself as Liz, the girl with that story. I say, my name is Liz Williamson. That's Jenny. She's my mom. Mike's my dad. I start with where I've lived and worked out of for four and a half years, that God loves me madly, and I'm a well-loved child, and that I will well love people. I have no excuse not to love other people. Because I have been radically loved for four and a half years. You do not need to answer to me why before that. I have to wrestle that one out with the Lord. I do not need to hear, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know what, I'm not. Because when I can look at it from God's perspective, I will bring more to the kingdom. When I look at it from God's perspective, I will punch the enemy in the mouth, and I will be a terror to him. I dare you, church, to become who he says that you are. And no one else can do that work for you. You would want to, you would wish to, you would long to. Jenny would long to take some of this from me, because she loves me. No. We usually say it a little more crass, so I'm going to change it for church. Please put your big person undergarments on. Yeah, we say it differently at the office. (laughs) I had some adjectives in. Rhymes with truck. It's true. Do what the Lord has called you to do. Be who he says you to be. Because you know what's coming? Is woe to you who have fallen asleep and let your clothes fall off. That you will be naked and shamefully exposed. It's in Revelation. It's actually 16, not 18. I told the first service it was 18 and 16. But for those of you that stay awake and keep your clothes on, blessed are you. It's In Revelation 16, you should look that one up, because there's stuff coming that only the church has an answer for. But then it says later. Those that the Lord has called are by his side for that battle. I long for nothing more than to be by his side in that battle. I will behead me some enemy. I am really good with that so thank you church for having us here today it is a privilege to tell you what Jesus has done in my life but the reason it's a privilege